All right, cool. Let's get underway. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, so welcome uh, to episode 124 of Together BHA. Uh, my name is Josh, uh, as always, and I am joined by Charles uh, in Arizona. Um, he definitely isn't from Arizona, and you'll find find the accent very much not Arizonan uh, in a moment. But uh, Charles, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'm delighted to have you. Uh you know, you are you are known as a fan of the Albion youth, uh, very much well versed in terms of the uh, the Albion in general and the, and the youth squads. So I guess the first question I want to kick off with before we even get too deep into it uh, is in terms of the season as a whole, uh, how are you feeling in regards to the first team before we get into that, the, the youth sides? Um uh, obviously, the, the mood has improved a lot um, with the result in the last couple of games. Um, I think for the season as a whole, probably the word that springs to mind is um, frustration. I think it's probably been one of the most frustrating seasons um, I can remember following the Albion. Um, we've obviously played some very good football. You know, we've um, under Graham Potter, we're willing to to go toe-to-toe with even the big boys. Uh, and some of the football has been excellent, but it's been so frustrating that um, frequently we've been unable to to turn, you know, convert the chances and to to get the goals that our players deserved. Um, and so, you know, to still be in the position where we are, although obviously it's looking a lot better now, as I say, after the last couple of victories. But um, yeah, it, the the team promises so much, um, and it's just been so frustrating that we so often haven't been able to stick the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, we definitely looked into it and sorted things out, didn't we, at the end of uh, the game last week? <laughs> Feels like the international break came at a bad time after beating right. Southampton and then putting all those past Newcastle. Um, so you are you are generally a very big fan of the Albion youth, right? You are all over it. Um, you've been on North Stand Chat for a long time, uh, mm-hmm. providing some great information. Do you mind if I share your username? Uh, absolutely yeah, go yeah ahead. so az gull uh on uh on north stand chat he's been providing a lot of stuff about the youth team for a long 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 time before i was even doing this this podcast um and and of course you've got a twitter account as well um and that twitter account has been around for a while too right i think it was a what the uh, 2015 was, i think i set that up yeah awesome um so what what made you start the Twitter account in the first place? What what brought you into the youth piece? You know, what what is it about the youth squads, or what's your kind of origin story for for being so avid for the for the youth teams? Um, just to give a little bit of background, um, I mean, I've, I've been following the club for nine or forty years now, um, and I think even as a teenager, I was yeah, I'm a I'm um, really a bit of a, a stato. So I've always been interested in the history of the club and keeping records on the club. Um, originally that was just handwritten records until, you know, I got a um, PC and then, you know, started using various spreadsheets, but um, I've always been interested in you know, recording the, the lineups and not just the first team, but the reserves as it was. And obviously now that has developed into the under 23s and the, the youth team, the under 18s. Um, keeping a record of you know, player movements in and out of the club. And again, including the, the younger players as well as um, the first team squad. Um, and so um, I think, you know, my, my interest has really always been there. Um, and the club traditionally was, was pretty good about, you know, publicizing, you know, the, the new 
apprentices as they were back in the day and then um, trainees and now known as scholars, but new scholars um, coming into the club. Um, but certainly I noticed probably eight or nine years ago, I think the, the club became a little bit more um, tight-lipped, um, perhaps understandably so. You know, they'd obviously, Tony Bloom has invested a lot, a lot of money in the academy, um, but um, there seemed to be less information on the younger players um, coming out from the club. So that actually prompted me to, to go out there and, and look for other sources of information. Um, and the internet is a wonderful thing. You know, there, there are other um, places that, um, that I found I could get information on players coming into the academy at the younger age levels, um, players getting um, representation with their uh, national sides, um, which wasn't necessarily available directly from the club itself, but you know, was out there um, in other places. So, um, yeah, that's that's really what happened. And, you know, as my um, knowledge built up, um, I, I found myself contributing a fair bit on, on NSC. You know, if, if one of our youngsters was called up for, say, England under-15s or under-16s, um, we obviously recently have had a number of um, Irish lads come through the system. Um, and uh, so I used to, you know, post articles and, and uh, post on NSC and, um, people seem to appreciate and you know not generally be aware um, of what was happening with the, um, the players coming through the academy. Um, and so in 2015, yeah, I realised I had you know quite a bit of knowledge and information that other um, Albion fans were interested in, um, and I decided that the Twitter account might be a, a useful way to um, and a, a, you know a different means to pass on some of that information. Um, and so in the summer of 2015, I set it up and, um, you know, if I, if I hear of something, come across something, um, not just current players, but even former players that have moved on, um, then, you know, I'll, I'll tweet that out and, um, you know, Albion fans seem to appreciate that. You know, I, I actually, I really enjoy that, that research and, you know, looking for information. I realize most fans simply don't have the time or the inclination, you know, to, to go out and look for that information themselves. So, you know, if, uh, I'm happy to pass it on you know, when I come across it. Yeah, I think people yeah, are happy to listen to it too. I think it's great. Um, you know, in terms of, you said you've been following it for a long time uh, and you've always been kind of into it. I mean, you've seen the club grow from a very different stature to the one it is now. What what was the kind of the first Albion game you went to when you were, when you were younger? Um, it was very nearly 40 years ago. Uh, it was November 1981. Um, back when we were in the old first division. Um, it was a, a game against Birmingham. It finished 1-1. I, I, I'll be honest, I, I you know, remember pretty much nothing about the game itself. Um, I believe Michael Robinson scored that day. Um, but my overwhelming sense, I was just you know, really excited to, to be at a, a real-life match. Um, it was the first match that I'd ever seen Albion or anyone else Um and um, yeah, I'd, I'd obviously been a fan of the club, you know, for for a year or two before that. But you know, once I'd actually been to the to the Goldstone Ground and um, being part of that atmosphere, um, I was just hooked. And you know, it's a lifelong obsession now. Yeah, for better or worse, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and unfortunately, for a long time, it was for worse. Um, as it happened, uh, the, that first season that I saw them um, was the season that they achieved their highest ever position. Um, so unfortunately. After that, it was a long, slow, inexorable decline that culminated, obviously, in finishing next to the bottom of the football league two seasons running. So I, I didn't know what I was letting myself in for. But, uh, 
you, you don't choose who your football team is. It's it's something that you have to put up with. Yeah, it's it's in your blood. I think once you once you walk up those steps and you take a look at the football stadium, you know if it's yours or not. <laughs> it's it's not a choice. <laughs> um, so going on to the youth itself, uh, let's get right into the the ones that are starting to break through because recently we've obviously had a lot coming through compared to the last couple of years. Um, Hutton Hutton is a legend, no doubt about it. He's he achieved things for us that at least in my lifetime we've never made the Premier League right. So he's a legend, uh, but he was very kind of outright in that he was not a youth product kind of development manager. Um, and obviously Potter coming in was part of that culture change. Um, yeah. But since then, you know, we've had Aaron Connolly, we've obviously had Donkey and Solly March come through very long way through um, and, mm-hmm. and quite a few others popping up here and there of the current under 23 squad that we've got, which is obviously quite talented in and of itself. Um, which of those do you think could, if we were to stay up, which of those do you personally earmark as players that may well be coming into the fold? I mean, look at look at Sanchez. Uh, two of the two of the chatters just mentioned him, like Sanchez being a homegrown talent as well. Um, you know, he burst onto the scene this year out of nowhere. Who do you who do you have earmarked that has not yet broken through that you think may well have a part to play next year? Um, the first name that springs to mind is uh, Jason Malumbi. Um, He's had, um, I, you could look at him and say that in some ways this season has been a bit disappointing for him. Um, he obviously um, stayed with the club for the first part of the season. Um, didn't get very much game time at all. Um, but uh, I think, you know, he's he, he had, what he did have was he had four months where he was training, um, obviously regularly with the first team. Um, he was very much in... Um, Potter's thoughts, you know, Potter, um, Graham Potter obviously had the chance to, to get to know who he is as a person, his personality and his character. Um, he then in January went out on loan to Preston. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's had a bit of an up and down time um, there at Preston. I don't think he's been a, a regular in the side every week. And um, the manager that took him there um, left the club um, a few days ago. But I think that's all, you know, a fundamental part of his development as a player. Um, and um, so for pre-season next year, he'll obviously be back at Albion. Um, you know, he'll he'll have a, an opportunity to show Graham Potter that he absolutely deserves a place in the first team squad for next season. It's extremely competitive. You know, you, you look at the players that we have, um, and you know, we continue to bring in players like uh, Moises, Caicedo. So it'll be extremely competitive um, to to get a, a place in. Um, Graham Potter's first team squad next season, but the opportunity will be there for him. Um, I've always rated him since he's been at the Albion. Um, I think he's a very driven character. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd like to see yeah, whether he can force his way into Graham Potter's plans for next season. Um, and there's just one other player that um, maybe it's a bit out of left field, but um, I've been very impressed with what Ryan Longman has achieved this season with AFC Wimbledon. Um, he's been, been part of a club. They've obviously been um, fighting against relegation for much of the season. I think they had a good win uh, yesterday, actually, against one of their rivals. But he scored eight goals. Um, so in a side that's struggling in their division, and it's obviously at League One level, but to, to score eight goals, and I think he's provided a, a number of assists as well. Um, it's his first experience that he's had being out on loan playing men's football. 
So, yeah, I've certainly been impressed with him. And again, you know, he'll come back in pre-season. You know, he'll have an opportunity to show Graham Potter what he can do. Um, I think it's probably a little bit too early still. He'll he'll probably go out on loan again next season, um, ideally at a higher level, perhaps with the, with the championship club. Yeah, I was going to say a pretty, pretty standard chain up, right? They'll, they'll send right. him off to the to the championship team, the same that Ben White went through the divisions and Sanchez right. was doing it too before he got skyrocketed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, Graham Potter has shown that um, you know he'll he'll look at these players and if these players take their opportunity and impress him, you know Graham Potter is willing to give them an opportunity. So, um, but yeah, those are those are a couple of names that um, I think are. are you know, getting close to being there or thereabouts. I mean, with our need for a striker, that would be wonderful, right? If we could suddenly produce a homegrown player out of nowhere. Um, we've already got Connolly coming through, who's obviously a great player. I th- personally, I think he could do with a loan uh, out to... Honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sad to see him go to USG out in Belgium in that top, the kind of the Belgian right. Premier Division. Uh, right. I think that could be really great for him. Um, but... On the other end, uh, we do always bring in a fair few recruits. We obviously were all over the the Scandinavian groups for a while um, and and other stuff. Uh, What do you, unfortunately, not everybody makes it. Of the under-23s we've got, um, who do you, you know, who do you expect not to really ever make it to the main squad? Who are those players that you're looking at that are on the cusp now and you're thinking you're probably going to be getting released next year? Because there's a a fair few under-23s that people hope are going to do well. Um, but they don't follow it too deeply, so they're kind of disappointed right. when they see someone will get cut, and they don't realise that they're just ineffective. Right. Yeah. There's um, there's two or three minds uh, names that spring to mind um, in that regard. Um, the first one is a player who, I mean, he's no longer really a young prospect. That's um, goalkeeper Christian Walton. Um, I, I think he has a big decision to make this summer. Um, he's actually out of contract at the end of this season, but I know the club do have a one year option on him um but um you look at the impact that um robert sanchez has made you know since he's come into the side um graham potter very much seems to view jason Steele as the um person that he wants as the substitute goalkeeper for the first team and so it's just very difficult to see um christian walton if he stays with albion um getting much game time at all and i think he's in an age i believe he's 26 now yeah, he's not um, he has, <laughs> right. I think he, he's got over 170 first team appearances under his belt at you know, various cl- initially with us, but then going out on loan to various clubs. Um, and I think at his age, he, he really needs to establish himself as a first team goalkeeper somewhere. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if he were to move on this summer. Um, and a, another um, lad that springs to mind is Leo Ostergaard, who's um, on loan currently with Coventry. Um, There was an interesting feature on him in The Athletic just last month. He comes across as a very strong-minded individual. He was at um, Molder in Norway uh, when he was 16. His manager was um, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. And apparently at that age, he he basically knocked on the manager's door and said, hey, I think I deserve a place at least to be training with the first team. Um, and if not, then I'd like to move on and have the opportunity to play. So you know, he's obviously has a lot of faith in his own ability. Um, he also is out of contract at the end of um, this season, but the club has a one-year option. But he basically said, you know, if I'm going to sign a new contract, you know, I want to speak to the club and know that you know, I'm definitely in, in the 
long-term plans for the first team and if not then I want to go somewhere and, and play regularly so again it'll be interesting to see what happens with with Leo whether you know he will sign an extended contract um, which would you know suggest that he's been given some assurances um, and if he doesn't I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him move on um, so um, and the other one I think is um, uh, Victor um, Kerish um, yeah, he, he really impressed when he first came in, scored a lot of goals for the under-23s, but um, he hasn't really set the world alight with his loan spells at uh, St. Pauli. Um, and I think he was with um, uh, Swansea um, initially, and now he's also at Coventry. Um, I just haven't seen a great deal from him that suggests that he's a potential Premier League player with Albion. Um, I think he's got another year left on his contract, but uh, I think it's getting close to make or break time um, for him as far as Yabin is concerned. Yeah, I think that when he uh, when he came in for the Carling Cup, I know it's not the Carling, it's the Carabao. Uh, I can right. never keep up with the change of <laughs> names. Um, I know when he came in, I, I was quite impressed with his ability to link up the play, but he never looked like being too dangerous in front of goal, and that's obviously right. what we need. Um right. And I, I, I'm not surprised by the fact that he's he's had to move to Coventry. Um, Ostergaard is kind of surprising, but we have so many at centre-half, don't we? I mean, we've got Ben White, Dunk, Webster, um, and, and even on loan, we've got Matt Clark, who is, you know, supposed right. to be a very, very good player. Um, we have the the Dutch lad, the, the Van Heck, Van yeah. Hecke. Um, yeah. He's out on loan as well. Um, I'm sure he will be wanting to come back and play a role as well. So... It's it's similar to Malumbi, right? The the competition is huge. I mean, even Absolutely. if we were to even if we were to lose Bisuma and and proper in the summer, that still isn't guaranteeing Malumbi a spot because we've got so many good players still in there. Um, yeah. That that in not even including Caicedo, of course, who could Caicedo Caicedo that could end up being you know a world beater and the and the next Bisuma. Uh, um, I mean, it's exciting, but at the same time, I think there's going to be a lot of prospects that maybe are disappointed not to make it. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, it, it, there's just such a high attrition rate. Um, I mean, of, of all of our current under-18s and under-23s, I, I mean, if if two or three of those were to break through and ultimately become um, you know, long-term members of the first-team squad, I think we would be doing very well as a club. Um it's just such a competitive industry. Um, and, you know, because we're a Premier League club, we can go out and afford to buy players from literally anywhere in the world. So it's so competitive that, you know, unfortunately, the you know, statistics say that very few of our youngsters will ultimately make it. Um, you know, hopefully one or two will. We've obviously seen um, Ben White and Robert Sanchez come through in the last yeah. two or three years. Yeah. Um, Stephen Alzati as well, of course, although... You know, he's had a some, somewhat disappointing season this season, but um, there will be opportunities. We know at least that Graham Potter is prepared to give these players a chance. And, you know, if they're able to, to you know, work hard and to, you know, prove that they've got what it takes, then they will be given that opportunity. I'm certain of it. My conspiracy theory <laughs> on Alzate is that I actually think he caught, I think he actually contracted COVID around the new year, same time as Lalana. Um there was it was so sudden and so strange his disappearance. I'm right. 
I think he has been affected in the same way uh, Kai Havertz, for example, has been affected. It really, really did a number on him as well, I know. Um, that's my conspiracy theory on it. I, th- I think he unfortunately contracted COVID and, and was battered by it because um, the drop was really sudden. And even when he did come back and he was playing games, he looked he looked gassed in, in 30 minutes. And that's not that's not the Alzate we knew from the last couple of years. So that's that's my guess on it. Um one of the one of the lads in the chat has uh, just asked, do you do you know on average how many uh players they recruit a year in terms of like the youth system? Um typically each new scholar intake will be I mean it will vary, but anything from eight to twelve players typically. Um obviously there there has been a big change with um um, as a result of Brexit in that um, English clubs are no longer able to sign under 18s um, from abroad, um, including from Ireland. So, um, yeah, that will have a significant impact because, you know, we know that we've signed a, you know, a number of players from Ireland, from Scandinavia, um, Cam Pupion, the Australian, came in this year. Um, so Casper uh, Nilsson at, at right back, he's a Swede, he, he joined as a first-year scholar. So, yeah, we will see, see that change, but um, typically, you know, probably an average of, of 10 new scholars every season are taken on. Plus, obviously, you know, there'll be some signings for the, uh, the slightly older age group for the under 23s. So, with the under 18 rule coming in and the fact that we now can't sign youth under 18s, how do you think that is going to affect just recruitment in general in the Premier League? Obviously, Brighton is a key. I think that. I think that the Albion, I'm almost answering my own question, Albion-wise, you know, they brought in Dan Ashworth, they brought in Potter, they brought in players uh, and and just general staff that are very well-versed in the English youth system. So I think that we're already doing something in that effect. Do you think that we're going to see a, a bit of a kind of collapse from some of these Premier League teams that are almost too reliant on bringing in the young youth players Uh you know, Manchester City is was one of them for a while. Uh, some of those big six in general can sometimes, you know, over-rely on bringing in those young, you know, Europeans and, and South Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure they will do everything they can to replace, you know, uh, um, what would have been foreign youngsters with English youngsters. So I think almost certainly what we're going to see is that... Um, youngsters that are developed at non-category one academies are going to become very sought after um and uh, yeah it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see some pretty big sums of money being paid by the likes of you know manchester city chelsea man united um the for youngsters you know who knows at what age i mean uh, i think clubs can officially sign players from um under nine the under nine age group onwards um and so uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we started to hear stories of, you know, nine, 10, 11 year olds being, you know, purchased for, for, um, you know, horribly um, large sums of money. Um, and, you know, Albion themselves may be um, victims of that. Um, you know, we might start to hear stories that, you know, a promising 13 year old has, has moved from Albion to Chelsea or Man City. Um, and, you know, it's a food chain. I mean, yeah, we've already seen that we've signed uh, Marcus Ifill, who's a first-year scholar this year. Uh, he joined us last season from Swindon Town. Um, obviously, at a slightly older age group, we signed Jensen Weir from Wigan. Um, so, 
um, you know, it, it, it's just going to mean that the, the the good English talent that is out there um, is going to become you know ex- extremely sought after by pretty much every every club in the land. Um, and I'm sure in preparation for that, um, I'm sure we've been um, recruiting players, you know, at the younger age groups in preparation for that, so that uh, you know we already have uh, the the youngsters, you know, at under 14, under 15, under 16 level you know, who will become our scholars in two, three, four years' time. So I'm sure the club, you know, obviously knew that something like this would like was likely to be, um, you know, coming up and they've been, you know, working over the last few years in preparation for that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we're seeing it, right, with the just the recruitment of our staff. Like I said, I think right. Dan Ashworth is a huge decision. Uh, I think he probably walked into the club because of stuff like that. Um and, and like you said, we're recruiting younger and younger. Um, I know for a lot of people that will be listening and people watching, um, the under-18s are more of an anomaly. They're, they're less known. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of the under-18s, who is it that that stands out to you as those kind of top prospects uh, for the future in, in that Albion youth setup that maybe are not popping up next week uh, or next year, but, you know, in, in three or four years' time, it's one of those ones where you go, yep, I've been following him for four years. Like, I knew this right. was going to happen. Right. So um, just to preface that, I mean, unfortunately, being based out here in the US, um, there's very little coverage in terms of, you know, live streams or even highlights of the under 18. So it is pretty difficult to um, express an opinion on players that, you know, I've, I've really, you know, almost literally never seen Um Really, the only opportunity is um, each season. The the FA Youth Cup is really the the, the prestige under eighteen competition, and usually those matches do get streamed. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's really the only opportunity I have to to see these players. But um, having said that, and I I do know that the club think this current crop, the the first year scholar intake this year, was probably their highest ever um, in terms of quality. Um, but the lad that has really stood out um, just on his numbers alone is the um, young Irish midfielder, Andrew Moran. I think he scored uh, 10 goals this season so far and provided a similar number of assists. Um, I don't know if anyone was um, saw the uh, FA Youth Cup match at Aston Villa um, in mid- midweek, but just in the first five minutes of that game, um, he did very well to set up a chance for Zach Emerson. Um, but uh, he looks a very promising prospect. Um, uh, in some ways a similar um, player to um, Jason Malumbi. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see what uh, how his, his career can progress over the next um, two, three, four years. Um, and another lad that uh, looks very promising is um, a guy called uh, Zach Sturch, who's a left-back. Uh, he's been with the, with the club for a couple of years now. Um, he actually joined the club from a, a local um, football academy, a couple of years ago. Um, He's played mostly with the under-18s, but he did make his debut for the under-23s back in December at Manchester City. Um, So, you know, again, I I mean, you know, every player, obviously they they wouldn't be with the club in the first place if they didn't have potential. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how Zach Sturge, left-back, can develop over the next two or three years. Um, Obviously, we've got a a couple of... um, forwards that uh, I'm sure every Albion supporter hopes that they can, you know, become that, uh, that magic bullet that we've been looking for. Um, I simply haven't seen enough of them to, 
you know, to, to um, give my opinion. Um, Zach Emerson, uh, he didn't get started until around October time, but I think he scored nine goals. Um, and then uh, an even younger lad is uh, Evan Ferguson, who, who's still an under-16 schoolboy, so he won't start his scholarship until this summer. Um, but since he came in in January um, from um, Bohemians in Ireland, he came from. Yep. Um, he's he's been. I think he's he's been involved in every under 23s match, so he's already playing up at that higher level. So yeah, I think he must he must be very highly rated by the club. So you know, let's all keep our fingers crossed, and you know, it's not going to happen next year or the year after. But you know, hopefully, um, one or even both of these players can. Um, really develop and uh, can they eventually force themselves into the the first team reckon yeah I mean like you said that's the that's the hope right like the magic bullet is the one we desperately want <laughs> um, especially when it comes to scoring goals um, in terms of the way we are recruiting youngsters do you think there has been a huge uh move to data analysis stuff i know that on the big stream we did last week there was a big discussion on how much they implement data um mm-hmm. and obviously being out here you're not privy to a lot of the internal stuff right but right. just based on the way they recruit and the scholars coming through have you noticed a difference in the the things that they're looking for or are you or do you think that they're kind of following a blueprint they've had for a long time i'm i'm pretty certain that um that there has been a significant um, shift in how they um, use and analyze data. Yeah, I mean, we've seen even in the mainstream media, obviously the the XG, you know, has become um, almost commonplace just in the last what 12, 18 months or so. Um, so if that's happening, um, you know, in in like I say, in mainstream media, I'm sure you know, uh, and knowing Tony Bloom, you know, and, and this sort of analysis that he gets involved with, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely certain that's the case. I do believe that even down to the youngest age groups, I think yeah, every single player in the academy does have a, an individual development plan. Um, for um, yeah, I've um, I've heard uh, Andrew Crofts and Shannon Ruth, the um, the interim under twenty three coaches, uh, talk about that. Um, one thing I have noticed, and this might just be coincidence, but it, it is um, interesting to me how actually seven or eight of the players that we've recruited in recent years actually had first team experience at their previous club. Um, So for instance, Jensen Weir is the youngest ever um, Wigan first team player. Uh, Zach Emerson, I think he's the second youngest player ever to play in the Football League. Um, He played for Oldham. Um, Marcus Ifield, who I mentioned, he was involved with the first team at Swindon, although he didn't actually get onto the pitch. Um, Andrew Moran um, is the youngest ever First team player at um, Bray Wanderers, uh, the club he came from. Um, ben Wilson, who's slightly older now, but he was the youngest ever first team scorer at Coleraine, um, his club in Northern Ireland. So I don't know if that's something that the club are actively looking at, or whether it just so happens that you know because these are obviously talented players at their club that you know they're pushed forward. Um, but it, it is interesting to me. I think we have you know seven or eight that actually have had exposure to first team football even before. Um, they've joined the Albion, so that might be, a, you know, something that, you know, an analysis or um, an analyst, you know, believes is a might be a, you know, significant um, um, indicator, you know, that a player might go on to ultimately make it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm certain that the club is making full use of, of all sorts of um, data analysis to 
you know, identify these players and, and obviously then you know help develop these players once they've joined the club. Yeah, I think that we've we've all noticed it, right? So I think that everybody is is especially at this club now, you're seeing a big change in, in having them all go out on loan. I think that before there wasn't so many. Now I feel like we've just got dozens all out on loan at one time. And I think right. first team football is always the best way to learn adult football. So I'm glad that that they're doing it. Um in terms of, I guess that's pretty much all the youth questions I had. So in terms of the season so far, you're pretty happy with how it's going as much as you can be frustrated, but like all of us, but but not too bad. Um, do you do you think we'll be okay this season? Do you think we'll be safe? Um, touch wood, but yeah, I do. Um, uh, I uh, I think there was one point this season when I, I really started to wonder whether it just wasn't going to happen, and that was at halftime in the Wolves match um, at the start of January when we were 3-1 down. Um, but it, the team came out after halftime, and um, you know, within a few seconds... Um, Andy Zakiri had helped set up. I think it was, uh, was it Neil Mope that was fouled for the penalty? Um, I think there's, you know, from what I've seen, there's absolutely no suggestion that the players aren't, you know, fully on board with what Graham Potter is trying to do. Um, uh, you know, with the performances at, at the likes of Leeds and Liverpool and obviously the, the home victory over Spurs, um, you know, I, I, I mean, you, you, you know, at points you've wondered this season whether there's some sort of a curse on Graham Potter or, or the club itself. I mean, some of the ways that we found to, to not win matches or lose matches, um, you know, hitting the, the woodwork five times against Manchester United, for instance. But, um, yeah, I think I've seen enough to suggest that we're on the right lines. Yeah, I think it's been extremely brave of Graham Potter to achieve what he has achieved, fundamentally change the style of play, significantly reduce the average age of the first team squad and still, you know, um, hopefully this season, um, but remain in the Premier League. So um, to me, it's looking, you know, very, um, very promising. Um, you know, it, we'd all love, obviously, to to bring someone in that is a, a natural finisher. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, is there, you know, knowing Tony Bloom's, um, how he structures the club, yeah, I'm just not, not convinced that we're prepared to spend the sort of money either in terms of a transfer fee or to you know break the wage structure um to to bring in that sort of um you know absolutely top level talent so yeah i think we'll continue to try and find the diamond in the rough you know a, a player that hopefully our our recruitment team can identify um probably in a another league in another country that um you know has the potential to develop and to to become that clinical finisher that we so desperately need but um but yeah i'm i'm extremely um hopeful for for the future yeah i think you know we're probably uh, this is a fantastic time to be an albion fan um you know with with the youngsters that are coming through with the the manager and the style of football that he wants to play with the structure and the setup of the club you know i think it's looking extremely rosy and if you if you can't be happy being an albion fan now then you know, maybe you shouldn't be an Albion fan. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right about that. I mean, we're playing the best. We've got the best team I've ever seen playing the best football I've seen us play at this level, obviously, ever. Um, you know, I think that you're right. I think we need to have a little bit more perspective for the people that are upset. Um, 
I think Wolves, like you said, was the big turnaround that second half. I think they even came out and said it was was the big turnaround. I, from what I can gather, Neil Mopai basically ran the team talk uh, for Wolves for half time, and it, it changed things around, um, which goes to show his his you know contribution outside of scoring the goals, uh, which has been a little bit more quiet on lately. Um, yeah. I think that. You know, I think we've got pretty much everything in place. I think that this is my belief on the curse idea. Um, I actually think it's our shirt. Um, we we decided in our fourth year as a Premier League team to wear the all blue as a as a throwback to the 83-84. And that's the first the first time since then that we've worn an all blue, right? And we got relegated in the fourth year of the top flight in all blue. And we've now decided to do it again. And we're now living under that curse. Like we brought it on ourselves. If we'd have been in blue and white stripes, we'd have been seventh place this year. But we we, we cursed ourselves. I'm convinced. I'm absolutely convinced. And we are now rolling under that curse and suffering from it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, you know, it does look as though I actually, um, we have a tough running, but I'm, I'm not dis- too disappointed that we have, you know, some of the um, higher clubs to play. Yeah, I think our results suggest that we've actually um, gotten better results against, you know, teams that are more prepared to come out and, and to attack us. You know, one thing we've really struggled with is to, to um, and we have other than Newcastle, I mean, we have a, a pretty poor record against the other teams that are in and around us down at the bottom. So, you know, I'm not too disappointed that we have what on paper look like tough matches ahead of us. Um, and it would be, wouldn't it be fantastic to go to Old Trafford and to to get some sort of revenge on the the result from earlier this season? Um, and I think, you know, there's absolutely no reason to to think that we can't do that. So, yeah, I think for the Albion this year, it's great. I, I don't, I'm not scared of anybody other than Manchester City, really, who are you know back to steamrolling people this year. Um, you know, I think that, like you said, I think we're playing better teams in this running but it kind of works for us like you said we yeah. we don't tend to do well against a team like West Brom that put 11 men behind the ball um yeah. you know I think I think if we can take three points away at Sheffield United who look shocking now Wilder's gone um I mean mm-hmm. they didn't look great before but without him they seem to have really just fell apart um you know take three points there uh and that's 35 points. I think 38 will be enough to be safe. I think there's definitely a team in there that we can turn over and surprise people with. Probably, again, not Manchester City, but the rest of them are all there to, to be had, I think. Yeah, I think we've got um, every every chance to at least match and possibly even better uh, last season's points total. Um, so, you know, the obviously the last two matches have been... Um, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of pressure on the players, but they've they've come out and you know just when we needed it, they they've played extremely well. I think we've seen how important Adam Lallana and Danny Welbeck are to this team. You know, Welbeck has never been um, uh, uh, scored a lot of goals, but you know he's he's a very good player. You know, he has a lot of experience with England. Um, the way that he set up Trossard for Trossard's winner at Southampton, you know. I think we're crying out for that level of um, skill and creativity in the side. So hopefully, you know, the pair of them can remain fit for the last, what, nine matches. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, you know, touch wood, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that, um, that we, we do have enough to beat the drop. And, you know, 
we might be closer to mid-table than the bottom three come the end of the season. I love that. I would love that to be right. Um, this is a question that I was going to discuss on the pod this week as well, because I've seen it mentioned a lot this weekend, uh, this week rather. Danny Welbeck, uh, he's on a one-year contract. He's out of contract in the summer. Um, personally, I, I would not like him to stay on. Um, I would like us to really expand our search for a striker. Um, and I think he's probably one of them that could uh, probably move on um, to wherever he's going to next. Don't don't debate his impact. I mean, he's obviously been very important. That goal against Newcastle was an absolute banger. Um, right. And but I think he's one of those players that if we want to continue progressing, I think we need to upgrade. Um, would you like to see him come on though? Would you like to see him be given an extra year? I think that really depends on who else we might be able to bring in um, in the next transfer window. Um, uh, yeah, I would love to think that that there's um, some absolute gem out there that we're we're able to pick up at a knockdown price and and will come in and, and in those circumstances, perhaps we we you know can dispense with his services. But uh, I'm not sure that there is such a player out there that that we'll be able to find this summer. Um, and I I do think Danny Welbeck still does have something to offer. Um, I uh, I guess we'll see that over the next nine games I mean if he can stay fit you know if he, if he starts most or all of these coming games you know maybe adds a goal or two provides a few assists you know I think my view would be you know let's give him a you know maybe a two-year contract and and you know in that time if we can find someone else then great um, but um, I wouldn't be too quick to dispense with his services at this stage until we we know who else might be coming in to replace him um, and and if he were to go, we absolutely would need to bring someone else in um, for definite. So I, I'm I'm open minded on on giving him another contract. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that piece. I think you know if we're if we're recruiting people and we're not as lucky or as fortunate as we want to be, we're bringing in the people we want. Then I think it's a no brainer to keep him. Um, I guess I'm just hell bent on the idea that we surely have to go out and recruit another striker. That's that's. Right. You know, we have to take that risk this summer, I think, on a, you know, a, another 20, 25 million pound striker like Mopai was, um, but in a different mold, like, like a Welbeck mold. Um, right. I've had a few in mind. Uh, everybody who listens is sick to death of me talking about uh, the Nigerian in Belgium, Paul Anuachu. He plays for Genk currently. Um, he's yeah. got something like 26 goals in 28 games this season. He is six foot seven and basically plays like, uh, a very good, not quite world class, but very good Bass Savage. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it doesn't sound like that should be possible, but he really does. And I would, I am, I would love to see him come in. Um, but I think the pe- the people in the chat are agreeing with you. Even if Welbeck doesn't get a lot of playtime, he could give the youngsters something. And I, I think that's the Lalana idea too. Right. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I know on North Stand chat, you know, people in recent weeks and months you know prior to the last couple of games were, were pretty dismissive of um Adam Lallana and saying it was a, a mistake an expensive mistake to go and assign him I completely disagree with that I think he's uh, I mean he obviously um was sick with COVID which was unfortunate but um he, and he, he has missed a handful of games this season through injury but I think you know he's played in um most of the games this season 
Um, he obviously hasn't always uh, given us 90 minutes, although he has in the last couple of games. But I just think his his you know you can see his class yeah you know, when he is on the pitch, um, and I think he is as valuable to the club for what he contributes um, off the pitch as on. I mean, he, even if he'd only played half the matches this season um, that he has done, I think he's still you know an extremely valuable member of the squad. Um, so, um, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that he was a fantastic signing for the club. I, I think, you know, I'd go so far as to say I think he's one of the, the best ever signings for the club. So, and I, th- I think he'll have a, a great deal to contribute over the rest of his contract. I believe he's here for three years in total. Um, so, yeah, I think he was a, an excellent signing for the club. And I think, you know, we're now starting to see, you know, in terms of um, goal output um, and, you know, what he um, really contributes to the first team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like the. I don't think it's a coincidence that we've started winning games. Now he's getting to play, you know, 85, 90 minutes a game. Um, in terms of top youth prospects and someone who is obviously uh, a fan of the Albion youth, have you ever seen a better youth prospect than Tarek Lamptey come into the club? Um, yeah, he's, he's such <laughs> an exciting player, isn't he? Um, yeah, uh, I, and... I mean, let's just hope that these uh, injury issues that he has are, are a temporary thing and that, um, you know, hopefully once he's stopped growing, you know, he can um, push on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to forget now because he's been out so long. But, you know, he was probably every every fan's um, top candidate for player of the season up to the point that that uh, that we lost him. So, yeah, um, and actually I think we've done you know, how well has Joel Veltman done and what a signing he's proved to be um, in Lamptey's absence. But yeah, um, what a what an amazing talent he is. And um, yeah, I'm absolutely certain that he obviously won't be moving on this summer with his injury issues, but let's hope he's here for, you know, another two or three years at least and, and we can see him and, you know, fans that are there in the UK can actually get to see him in the flesh, hopefully from next season onwards. And um, yeah, I mean, that that's the type of player that, yeah, I think you actually go and see, you know, watch live football um, for, for what you get from a player like that. So, yeah, an exceptional talent. I think it's insane to think that if we had go down, if we had gone down or if we do go down, don't want to count my chickens still hatched. I think it's insane to think that the Albion fans may never see Tarek Lamptey live because I think right. if we go down, I think he will move on inevitably, even with the injuries. There's no way people aren't going to want to take that risk. Like, absolutely. Um there is part of me that worries that he's going to be um, a Kazenga Lawalawa type player where he is just so hampered by his own raw speed and strength <laughs> that, that his yeah. body can't handle his own his own explosiveness. Because um, Kazenga was one of my favorite all-time players back then. Like, he was just right. so fast and so exciting, but his hamstrings couldn't live up to the rest of his body's speed. <laughs> and, and I worry that Tarek will be the same. And he's so small. And I feel like whenever he was bombing down that right hand side, he just he just gets clattered over and over and over again. Like they know that he's lightweight and they just batter him. So I, I really hope that he can come back from the injury, like you said, and and continue to work on bulking up a little bit to try and stop this kind of just absolute hammering because it can't be good for his body just being clattered like that over and over again. Right. Yeah, I, the only good thing is that um, obviously with you know advances in you know knowledge about um, medicine and treating injuries, 
you know, this is the best time for him to be at the club. And I'm sure, you know, all of our um, medical experts, you know, and, you know, will be going outside of the club and getting expert advice from, from um, experts in, you know, hamstring injuries. And um, yeah, um, so I completely agree with you. I mean, it, it would be such a shame to see someone as talented as that, you know, not be able to go on and um, prove that and, you know, and have a, a top class career. Um, because of injury but um, yeah um, such an exciting play yeah agree yeah. Um, thank you for coming on Charles I think we're all wrapped on the questions um, been very enlightening to talk about some of those youth players uh, especially the Ferguson lad who's coming through and he's super young and is already playing for under 23 so that's a great name to have dropped in I, I didn't even know he existed really so uh, it seems like we are very hardcore on the Irish recruitment prior to Brexit so I think they've done a really clever job there yeah well um, uh, John Morlin is the connection there he was uh, I believe he was um, actually manager of um, one or more of the uh, underage uh Irish youth sides going back a few years um, before he joined the Albion Academy. So he obviously has or had, you know, the contacts with the Irish setup. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many it numbers now, but we, yeah, we've probably had 10 or more um, youngsters that have come in um, over the years um, through that Irish connection. And they're obviously still continue. Well, you know, after this year, um, after the, the changes in the law um, in terms of um, the under 18s, that obviously will change at least at least at the younger age levels um, because we simply even from Ireland we won't be able to bring in scholars for instance from Ireland um, we'll have to wait a couple of years before we can bring them in but yeah that's um, that's been a certainly productive productive um, uh, area of recruitment over the last you know good five or six years because of um, John Morley he's now the um, the academy director and um, that's the role that he that he plays now so brilliant. One to keep an eye on. I wonder if the Albion uh, risk going forward and trying to make some kind of affiliation over there with with one of the top teams to kind of put placeholders on them between then and eighteen, um, especially with the link they already have and the kind of the CV they could show for the players they've already brought through. I wonder if we're going to see more of that um, in the future with with you know European clubs and Irish clubs that we you see kind of unofficial affiliation links come through and, and kind of keeping them on placeholder until they're old enough to legally come over. Yeah. And, and you do wonder with um, obviously Tony Bloom owning um, Royal Union Saint-Gilois, um, you do wonder, you know, how that will develop um, and whether we'll start to see players move in there, first of all, you know, with an eye to them coming over to the Albion, perhaps a couple of years down the line, if they um, do well and progress. So, yeah, it's interesting times. Um, we'll see, you know, over the next two or three years, how the changes with Brexit, you know, what sort of impact they have on youth recruitment, both at Albion and, you know, on a wider scale throughout the English clubs. Interesting times. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on, Charles. Uh, obviously, this is aired live, um, but the podcast episode itself, the audio will be out tomorrow as well. I'll tag you in it on Twitter. Um, and I think it's only about 11 a.m. there, your time. Um, so have, uh, yeah. have a wonderful rest of your day. <laughs> Thanks very much, Josh. It's, uh, it's been great to be on. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, people. 
that was Charles out in Arizona. Knows his stuff, especially in the under-23s, where it's easier to keep track. Um, so that about covers it for today. Um, thank you for coming on, those of you who did. Uh, the podcast will be released tomorrow as an audio as well. Um, I'm also going to be releasing uh, a couple of different audio clips uh, throughout the, the next couple of weeks um, from the big stream we did last week. Uh, so I'll be uploading Paul Barber's interview, uh, Bruno's interview, uh, the whole segment with Andy Naylor and Kieran Maguire, um, pretty much all of the ones where we had some big guests on. Uh, I will be getting those done. And then next week, uh, I will be airing again for another podcast episode, which we will be reviewing Manchester United for better or worse. Um, anybody who would like to come on as a guest, let me know and I'll give you the Zoom link and you can call in and have a chat. Uh, same as post-match last week. Um, and yeah, we will we will see you next week. Uh, and I'll probably be streaming video games at some point throughout the week. Uh, FIFA, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, not Modern Warfare, uh, Siege, uh, maybe Warzone. Um, yeah, loads of them. So I'm going to bounce because uh, I'm going to cut this audio up and get it ready to go. Um, have a great rest of your Sunday. It's like, what, like six o'clock? No, seven o'clock in the UK almost. So have a wonderful evening and I'll speak to you all next week for pod and the rest of the week for video games. Be safe. <laughs>